Oh, thank you for bearing with us with those technical problems. We're now back, and Nana's reading was certainly dramatic, a well-known story, but we might not realize just how shocking it was. Jesus's radical demonstration turned over many tables. The scholar Tom Wright suggests a modern-day equivalent so that we get the idea of what was going on and how dramatic it was. Not to replicate its meaning, but just to give us an idea of the impact. And here's the gist. Imagine a, a scene at a school on Monday at a time when the pupils were having their exams and the preparation was there for an open day. And suddenly the door of the head teacher's office bursts open and in walks a pupil with a few friends behind him. He goes straight to where the secretary and the head teacher are organizing a pile of exam papers and invites for the open day. And he turns the desk upside down, scattering papers all over the room and onto the floor. He turns on to the astonished onlookers who, who look at them and, and shouts at them, this whole place is a disgrace. It's corrupt from top to bottom. You ought to be ashamed of yourselves. The head teacher demands to know what right the pupil has to behave in such a way. And the pupil says, you can fail me, you can throw me out, but I shall go to university I'm going to train as a lawyer and put an end to corruption like this. Your system is finished. Imagine how anyone would feel if that happened. Well, when Jesus walked into the temple and did what he did, it was a similar sort of impact to a child turning everything upside down at a school. The temple was the center of society where God promised to live in the midst of his people. The temple was the beating heart of Jerusalem, but this preacher from Nazareth entered and turned the tables, as he so often did in his ministry. This dramatic demonstration is recorded in all four Gospels. In all except John, it comes towards the end of Jesus's ministry at that triumphal entry into Jerusalem. But John orders the events differently to Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John threads his gospel stories together like a string of pearls to serve his purpose. John 20 verse 31, but these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So he is telling a particular story. And what's true in all four Gospels is that Jesus is the coming king. He was staking his claim on that central shrine in Jerusalem. He interrupts business as usual. He overturns the temple tables. He turns everything upside down as so often he did in his ministry and he does today. So what was going on? Well, John places this incident just after Jesus's first sign, after he turned water into wine at a wedding. 
That turning of the tables was demonstrating compassion, sensitivity, generosity, and grace. The picture now, though, is quite different. The heart of the temple was an exclusion zone. It could only be entered by the high priest on the Day of Atonement. It was surrounded by several, uh, well, a succession of ascending courtyards to that central place. And this incident of the turning of the tables took place in the very outside of the court, what was called the court of the Gentiles. Now, anybody could go to that court. The other courts had restricted access, depending on who you were. The court of the Gentiles was busy. It was crowded, hustle and bustle, especially at the time of the Passover. It was a place of business. Money changers were actually needed because people had to pay a temple tax, a half a shekel that was paid at Passover time. And it had to be in the Tyrian currency, which was a Jewish currency. And that was a currency that didn't have the emperor's head uh, stamped on the coins. And the money changers were there to help, of course, to get the right currency for a price. And there were also dove sellers that were essential for the poor. In Leviticus, we read how if you couldn't afford a lamb, then you had to sacrifice doves or pigeons. And like if you go to somewhere like Wembley Stadium or in Jerusalem today, the closer you get to the center, then the more expensive things become. Yes, there was a lot of business taking place there as Jesus enters, and he's angry. What prompts this violent reaction? Well, his demonstration, yes, was against those who were profit-making and exploiting people in the name of religion. He was angry how people were preying on the vulnerable and preventing people from worshipping. He was angry that people didn't have free access to worship God. But in addition to this, the priests were going along with it all, allowing it to happen. And many of the consumers were just caught up in all that was going on. It wasn't as it should be. And it's tempting to think that uh, those people who were there were all wicked. I, I don't think they were particularly wicked. I think they'd lost their way, as so often we do in society. Yes, the outcomes were wicked, but people were just doing their daily business. But I reckon Jesus is displeased with some of our attitudes in our daily business at times too, especially when those things come in the way of our worship and our treating each other fairly and justly, and with compassion. Sometimes we exclude rather than welcome. We treat people in terrible ways, especially the poor and the marginalized. And the way we worship so often can lose its focus, and we prevent others. We want them to come, but somehow we put up barriers so that people can't worship as they should. Ponder why Jesus was angry then and what he would be angry about 
in today's society? What would drive him mad about our church and our family life? And who would he hold responsible today? Of course, despite what some might suggest, not everyone there was a crook. And we might not see ourselves as crooks. But unless we have that relationship right with the Lord, despite being God-fearing and sincere, we can be misguided. Our society can become a system that is misguided. Let those who have ears to hear, hear what God's saying to us. So Jesus comes into all of this and he strikes out. He turns the tables and it's a judgment. William Temple pointed out that Jesus' coming means a purge. And this is true when Jesus comes into the shrine of our hearts as well. Temple writes these words. The place which should be ordered with reverence, appropriate to the dwelling place of God, is cluttered up with worldly ambitions, anxieties about possessions, designs to get the better of our neighbours. Jesus came to turn the tables of our lives, our families, our church, our society. He came to enable access to God's love and forgiveness for all. He came to tear the temple curtain in two. He came to bring transformation where the last will be first and the first will be last. He came in to usher in a kingdom of love, justice, forgiveness, peace and healing for all. I think the current pandemic has actually turned things upside down for us. The tables of our routine and security have been turned. Jesus came for everyone and he comes to us today and people would have been shocked at his actions just as we were shocked and unprepared for the pandemic when it came many christians believe that the church now has an opportunity post pandemic and now to reflect on what we're doing when we worship who has access to that worship? How can we witness to all? How can we be fair to everyone? How can we love and forgive in Christ's name and show that forgiveness? Perhaps through this time, the Holy Spirit has been turning the tables of our hearts and asking some searching and uncomfortable questions. What's getting in the way? between us and God? What blocks others from having a relationship with the lover of their souls? Materialism, business, busyness, apathy or complacency, even religion at times. Our sin. Are we being honest with ourselves? Are we keeping God's commandments, especially that command, that overriding command to love God and love our neighbours as ourselves. What tables need overturning in your life, in our church? 
something greater than the physical temple building had arrived in Jerusalem. Heaven was believed to touch the earth in the temple. And yet Jesus speaks about destroying it and rebuilding it. Well, it had taken years to build that temple. But Jesus isn't talking any longer about a physical temple. He's talking about his body. Jesus signals that his death and resurrection was coming, that would transform the whole world into the temple of God. Now, despite the angry response from the religious leaders, which eventually led to Jesus' crucifixion, Jesus also is pointing beyond that to the hope of resurrection. He says these words, Destroy this temple, and I will rebuild it in three days. Jesus was declaring that he was more than a troublesome rabbi, more than a man from Nazareth. He was the Messiah, ushering in a new radical kingdom through the cross. Dare we miss what Jesus is doing today? Think what he would be angry at. The pandemic has changed so much, but into all this comes our table-turning Jesus. Let us allow him to speak deeply to us. What is it that's stopping us flourishing at the moment? Instead, can we be drawn into a deeper relationship with our Lord and Saviour and start to want what he wants? Good Friday was not the end of the story. The resurrection is a new beginning enabling easy access and a holy relationship with our maker. May we enable that to be true for everyone. May we enable people to find that new wine of the kingdom. And may more hearts be changed into the likeness of Christ. Amen.